I find that people who are naturally empathic tend to also, as a parallel, a lot of the time be engaged in self-punishment with their thoughts in order to shut down and handle and manage all that they're perceiving. At some point, it gets twisted as you're wrong or bad for having these capacities. And so people use drugs or alcohol or shopping or sex to shut it off and shut it down. Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. A lot of energy there. My wife says that I'm I overwhelm her with my energy. So I hope I'm not overwhelming you with my energy, folks. I hope that I'm getting you into a a fit and funky state for the rest of the day or the evening or whatever it is you're about to do today. Hope you're changing the world one little bit, one little breath at a time. I've been absent for a while. Need to apologize for that. Those of you who listen intently for a weekly release from yours truly. No excuses, just being, uh, yeah, super busy, super challenged, really excited about a lot of stuff that we're doing. I want to talk a little bit about that now before I introduce today's guest, okay? So two things I want to talk about. Number one, one of our beautiful strivers, Nikki, I challenged her around five days ago now, four or five days ago to get more joy and play and fun in her life. And as part of the challenge, I told her to get on our Marco Polo group in Strive and ask everybody else to join her as well, right? And we've had the most fun, uh, connected six or seven days to Strive community. Everybody's been coming on Marco Polo with their own little slice of fun. Like, what are we doing for fun? And, and for a lot of us, me included, you know, fun doesn't come naturally. It, um, it doesn't like, it's not a, a mainstay fixture of the day because, you know, very often we, um, we got our head burrowed down and whether we're inside the matrix or outside the matrix, we, we have things that we got to do. We got to work, got to look after kids, got to clean the dishes and all that kind of stuff. Right. And we don't really kind of, no, not all of us spend time, a lot of time, uh, focusing on fun. But this week, we've been doing it. I've been playing board games with everybody. I've had arm wrestle with Liza. I've done headstands up against the side of the wall without breaking my neck. And I just had a massive sing-song on Marco Polo, belting out some tunes just before I come on here. So play, fun, joy, really super important, especially if you are um, in that journey of trying to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol. Because, you know, one of the myths, one of the myths of the alcohol game that gets keeps you stuck, right? So rewind a little bit. We're all playing the game of life. From the moment we're born, we're in the game of life. Figure the game of life as Disneyland. And in Disneyland, we have all these different attractions. We have the alcohol game, the money game, the relationship game, the sex game, all these different games, the parenting game, the, the meaning and purpose game, all right? And we want to play all these games. And one of them that there's as a, a queue a mile long is the alcohol game. But the problem is this isn't a game you can ever win because we're all playing with the wrong rules, all right? We're all playing with the wrong rules. And these rules are myths. And one of these myths, can't even say the word properly, one of these myths is that we cannot experience uh, joy, fun, or happiness without drinking alcohol. So when we become people that don't drink alcohol, there's a certain trepidation that comes with actually going out. There's a certain nervousness that comes with going to the pub, going to the club, hanging around people who are drinking, going to a restaurant even with people who are drinking wine. Because the story, the paradigm, the rules, the bullshit is so strong and so solid that we cannot enjoy alcohol um, without, we cannot enjoy social times and fun and joy without alcohol that we generally just give up and drink alcohol. So when we stop, very often fun and joy and, and um yeah, and laughter and all that kind of thing, it, it could dry up, it could disappear, we could become frightened of it, afraid of it, and we could become like dry drunks, as the AAs say, right? We could become really miserable, but we don't drink. We don't want that at 1,000 Days Sober. So it's really important to squash uh, these myths that we cannot have fun without drinking alcohol. Just look at the kids around you. Who has more fun than anyone else in the world, right? Well, it's the kids, isn't it, right? Kids don't drink alcohol, right? They just have fun because it's an innate part of being human. We know how to do it. We've just forgotten how to do it. So once we kill our false self and stop drinking alcohol and, and dig out our true self from its coffin and start to nurture it and repair it, we can have more fun. So 
I challenge you for the next seven days, go and have some fun. Have some fun. Write to me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com and let me know what fun you had. If you're in our private Facebook group, post in the private Facebook group a little video. What did I do that was fun today? All right. Second thing that I want to talk to you about, super excited about this. Um, I've been working on a, a, a new challenge, a new challenge for you folks, right? And I've been looking around at a space. I've been looking around at the one year no beers and the this naked minds and the hip sobrieties and the sober schools and all these wonderful, beautiful, incredible people who are stepping up and really helping you to get the right rules and the win of this alcohol game. And I've been thinking, what are they, what are they doing really well? And what are they missing that I could provide to help people that's a little bit different? Uh, and the thing that I come across is very often people do not know the real root cause reasons that they drink alcohol. They don't know, right? They think they know why they drink alcohol and there's a few reasons why they think, but very often we're taking a really cursory glance at this and we, we get into 30-day experiments and uh, tests and dry Januaries and sober Octobers and we, we just get stuck in for 30 days, we use all the tools and skills we have at our disposal and we come out at the end of it without drinking, without really analysing why. Why is it that I drink? Why, 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 why? So I've created the Alcohol light bulb Challenge. Discover your truth about why you drink alcohol and reconnect with your true self in five days or less. So yes, I'll provide you for training in this challenge for five days and my guarantee to you is at the end of five days, you will know the root cause reasons that you drink alcohol. And that is massive because that is where you should be working, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be done with alcohol for the rest of your freaking lives and release your true self to have all the fun and freedom in the world. So if you want to get I'll be a part of the alcohol light, alcohol light bulb challenge. Email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com, okay? Right, on to today's fantabulous guest. Dr. Allison JK has secrets no one else uses to upgrade, inspire, and disrupt old paradigms within her community and the collective. And we're all about disrupting paradigms here at 1000 Days Sober. She is an award-winning, number one international best-selling author and the founder of the Vibrational Upgrade System. She's an experienced, subtle energies practitioner and natural healer with a holistic approach towards helping others thrive in mind, body, and spirit. This is reinforced by her 10 years plus in Asia, where she studied subtle energies and ancient wisdom. With 20 plus years working and teaching yoga, meditation, energy medicine, mind-body fitness, longevity, holistic health, with a specialized focus on the chakra system, Dr. Allison brings a unique perspective that facilitates massive change. Why did I get her on the show? Well, I want to know what the chakras are all about, right? Like, when I did biology in school, I knew what a liver was, I knew what lungs were, I knew what a heart were. Nobody talked about chakras. Do they exist? Are they real? Is it a load of mumbo jumbo? Where are they? How did they influence our life? I didn't have a Scooby-Doo. So I said I would get Alison on the call to have a chat with her, a chakra chat. So that's what we're going to do. Chakra Khan, Chakra Khan, Chakra Khan, Chakra Khan, Chakra Khan. Okay, so that's enough of me. I'm all buoyed up, see, because I just had my sing song to Head Shrinker by Oasis. It's part of my joy day. So I'm going to shut the hell up, leave you in the capable hands of Dr. Alison K. Chakra Khan. Dr. Alison Kay, you're the first doctor I've spoken to today. Great. <laughs> <laughs> How is life? It's good, Lee. It's, it's full throttle, as always. Really mm. good. How about you? How's life with me at the moment? It's exciting. And what was it uh, Preston Smile said to me the other day? He said, um, if you want a big life, you're going to get big challenges. So I've got big challenges, but I am more than capable of taking them on. And I'm really excited and interested to see where everything leads. So in yeah. that kind of state of excitement versus, do you know when you're in the middle of something that you know is going to be really good, but right in the middle of it, you're still going to put food on your table and stuff. I'm in that kind of mood. <laughs> hey, can I, so I have been saying for years now, if uh, you're addicted to the struggle paradigm, I'm not the right mentor for you. And so because I work so much on clearing people's beliefs at the back of the house consciousness, so uh -huh. that 
more is freed up to make more robust choices for our lives here now present. I hear in what you just said, uh, you're, you're letting yourself buy into in order to have good, I have to put up with bad. Yeah, you'll find in, in the next hour talking to me that I, I, I have a deep, deep groove uh, when it comes to <laughs> scarcity mindset and old ways of being and thinking. Yeah, you're catching me at a good time. You're catching me mid, uh, yeah, my true self is slowly emerging as I peel a layers away of my false self. But uh, yeah. Ask me some questions. To, uh, focus on that a little bit more. I'm sure something will come out of it that will lead into what we're going to talk about today. Well, I mean, we could we could just go organically. I know that Lee. I always end up working on the hosts, like whether yeah. I'm doing a obvious verbal clearing and activation, or it's my words because I've been using my system for so many decades now as like it's like an instrument getting finely attuned. So I mm-hmm. clear whatever I'm talking about. So you don't even have to have like a, a, an obvious clearing and activation from me mm. to be getting cleared. And when you say scarcity mindset, you know, when I came back from my decade in Asia, furthering my understanding of subtle energy and consciousness to get even more robust results for my clients, which is why I moved there. I unexpectedly did money clearings because when I came back in 2010, the people who were put in front of me to serve, I couldn't really be talking about the spiritual awakening process or the path or increasing your intuitive capacities and co-creation and and making more courageous choices. Instead, because they were so fearful about money, I was ending up in order to serve them, clearing money. So I became ridiculously proficient in clearing <laughs> <the> blocks <laughs> unexpectedly. And, um, that and is this- really powerful. Yeah. Well, it's really powerful and really needed, right? Because I was having this conversation with uh, one of my mentors last night. In order to help people these days, whether we like it or not, there needs to be an aspect of marketing. There needs to be an aspect of money. You have to go through those things to get to somebody at the other side of it. So it for me, you know, when I'm sharing my work with people, there's obviously there's a lot that I get to share for free, such as this, and similarly with you. And then there's stuff that is behind a paywall that people have to find within themselves that love for themselves and that bravery and that courage and to dive into that. And very often it's very difficult. And I think I think I'm pretty clear that my old money mindset story is a block when I, it's attracting similar people with the same story. Mm. So I have a couple of things in response to help. One of them is I know that for me, I was a classroom teacher because I realized what the work I was doing prior to helping the environment and the planet and raise the consciousness around that by getting people elected to Congress who would write environmentally protective legislation Mm. When I saw that the fossil fuel industry wasn't ready to change and shift, it was just still too market dominant. I then shifted into relying on my bachelor's and seeing, okay, if consciousness is going to raise and this is all going to change, it has to happen one person at a time until we reach that hundredth monkey theory, until it gets Mm. exponential. Yeah. So I've been doing that. And in what you just said about the idea of people having more So when I came back, let me do it this way. When I came back from the States after that decade over in Asia and I dropped the classroom teaching and doing the energy medicine and holistic health and wellness sessions part-time, that now became my full-time business. Once I hit that threshold and wasn't working with a couple of clients at a time, but was just working with the masses, I stopped seeing what I had been prior to that when when I was working with less people. I when I was working with less people, I would have a client show up who mirrored something I had just moved through within the past six months. Now I had moved through it. I had shifted beyond it. And then they would show up. They weren't mirroring where I was at in that moment. But since working with the masses, that's no longer held true. And I teach my, my students who I train in my vibrational grade system I created that you may don't overemphasize the mirroring in the whole, your vibe attracts your tribe thing. It does work obviously because if they're looking for something and you can give them that, it does work on some level. But I find that people over-identify and even project onto their clients and then end up owning something that isn't theirs. So I want to caution you about that. The second Mm -hmm. thing is, you know, I hear you. I, I, I really do. I know that 
my heart loves to give. I'm a classroom teacher and by profession and in the classroom, we, I wanted to make sure my students understood so they could pass the test kind of a thing, right? You teach yeah, a class, yeah. not just to throw the words out there, but to make sure they understand it and then build upon their knowledge base as a student does. And so when I came to marketing, I found um, myself when working with a business coach to help me, she said, stop hard teaching. You need to soft teach. You need to tease with marketing. And I, that was one of my most stickiest points to come out of teaching a concept with my marketing and instead teasing, because I felt like that was out of integrity. I'm out of alignment and not in integrity. But when doing this for as long as I have and seeing the nature of people in the process of wanting change, saying they want change, and then having ensuing action needed for that change, the shifts I've seen people go through when they commit, like I have a signature three-month program, Magic Manifestation and Money Flow. It's a four-figure investment. I have seen, like, for example, a woman said yes, threw it on a credit card. She owned a brick-and-mortar clothing store in Colorado, hadn't had any customers that day, was doing... She knew, she said to me on the call, I know that I have blocks that I need to clear because I know I'm affecting my business. I'm seeing it dwindle. So that day she said, yes, she invested in the program, put it all on her credit card. And within that afternoon, like at most two hours, the first customer of the day came walking in and dropped down what ended up being a third of what she had just invested into the program. Mm. So, and that's just one example of really hundreds I could give you. The shift that happens in our clients when they are given cause to say yes to having more, create such a clarion call for so many that brings them into that shift for us to then work on increasing that to get them to the point that they're desiring to get to. So we're doing a service by create catalyzing the environment within which it's asking them to shift. There's another aspect I could say here that might help. Um, I know that I've had a so one of my majors in college was mass communications and advertising. And I was a horde when I first learned that, oh my God, they target market. So you're saying you target when you think it's a bunch of women at home watching soap operas in the afternoon, you target dishwashing soap, cleaning products. That's the way our societies run. Oh my God, have you created a bunch of shit you put on all of us? <laughs> Right? I was horrified. So, in my marketing, I never wanted to do the marketing 101 problem solution. I've never wanted to reinforce the problem. I've stubbornly, because of my guidance, stuck with the presenting of a solution and not talking about problems because I had the concept, the belief from that experience in college of I am creating and perpetuating more fear by doing problem based marketing. Hmm. So, my business coach worked and she finally adopted and coined the phrase inspirational marketing, seeing that I was so resistant to doing fear-based marketing problem solution. But along the way, I experimented and I said, okay, let me lean into this resistance. Let me make sure it's not any ego and it is pure guidance intuitively. Yeah. And let me market in this problem solution format. And I did. And what showed up were victims or more victim mentality, less empowered people, less ready to take action on behalf of themselves. Yeah. That was interesting data or information. And then one other thing that somebody said to me, another um, person I was working with on my business, when presenting pers uh, people's pain points in your marketing and you're asking them to self-identify, is this your problem? Is this your problem? Is this your problem? And I didn't necessarily like working on that part because, again, I'm all about the inspiration rather than the reinforcement of the fear and the pain and the suffering. Something was said to me along the lines of, but Allison, if you frame what their problem is so successfully that they can easily identify that's them, you're actually serving them because you're making it that much more clear for them that you see them, you understand them, and you can help them that there's help out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's actually better service. So that was an interesting one for me too. So I know that it's such a, a time that we're in right now, this 20-year window from 2012 to 2032, everything's coming back into balance. Now that the old paradigm has really crumbled, 
there's still remnants of it crumbling and the new one hasn't yet gotten built. This 20 year window is such an opportunity for so much change and everything's rebalancing, including the material and the spiritual. So I'm not just working with CEOs and corporate folks who have a lot of money, helping them with like heart attacks they've had or helping them with like chronic pain because they've ignored their mind, they've ignored their spirit and they've just focused on the material. I'm also helping spiritual people become more comfortable with the material and get free of all of the collective unconsciousness from centuries before of if I have wealth, I am that kind of a person and that's bad. The more minimalistically I live, the more spiritual I am, the closer to God I am, or the more I help the earth. So there's a rebalancing on both ends of the spectrum. And I'll stop there for now. What do you mean when you say old paradigm? Great question. Where there has been misalignment, where there's been that perpetuation of fear, or there's been abuse of power, or there's been dominance projected onto somebody else, and hierarchies have been structured to honor just a few at the top, and the rest are left struggling, Hmm. um, or not able to access that level, where anything's been out of misalignment, frankly. So another way to put that when I was in the classroom and I was working with my students from a, a lit story we were doing, because I taught AP Psychology and uh, English Literature. So it might have been from either the psych course or the lit course. The question, are humans inherently good or evil, came up. So I gave my students the extra credit assignment to research it overnight, and I did too. And in, I had created also a global psychology course that used the Western Psych 101 textbook in college. And it used, I brought in a couple of different texts from the Dalai Lama from his every other year summits he had with Western scientists, which the first measurement of the effects of meditation came out of. And in there, he said, if human beings were inherently evil, then we would already be gone as a species. Hmm. And what that implied to me, he said, so because you bake the bread and I raise the chickens and the dairy, and I make the cheese, and Mike builds the houses, and Tim is the blacksmith, and Janina is the textile creator. We all collaborate as a community working together to create life. Yeah. So later on, I was at, um, so I was at Chichen Itza on 2012, December 21st, 2012, for that big day. I had a radio show for two and a half years, interviewing specialists all around the world about the significance of that day. Voice America had asked me to do that, and I wasn't doing anything in my platform of business about that, but I, I heard the yes intuitively, so I did. And so I ended up at Chichen Itza, the main pyramid where they created the Mayan calendar from in the Yucatan of Mexico, and was there frequently taking clients on VIP trips. And so later on, seven years later, 2019, I was at Teotihuacan outside Mexico City. We had hired a native Mayan guide, and I asked him, and I recorded him and sent it out to the people on my email list okay, what do you understand about the difference between the old paradigm and the new? And he said, the old is based on destruction and the new is based on construction. So I paired that with what I knew about what the Dalai Lama had said. And so con means with. So the new paradigm is is more about, like even where the masculine and feminine have gone out of balance within you, yourself, me, myself, and then collectively, societally, in all the different structures, organizing our society, banking, finances, education, politics, governmental agencies, et cetera. So for example, yang is the masculine, that's the sun. Yin is the feminine, that's the moon. Yang is action. Yin is listening within. So for your business, for example, instead of it being all about your to-do list and your tasks, knowing to create the time to allow for seeding of new ideas to allow for intuit to create the space so you have intuitive guidance and then you take inspired action based on that mm. you're bringing yourself back into balance and that's the way the new paradigm wants us to operate like we can't just come from our minds anymore and say i have that target what's the action plan i'll know the whole how ahead of time let me implement all of that bam i go it just doesn't work that way anymore it has to be much more organically heart-fed and soul or spirit or divinely aligned it's interesting you say that because when um, whenever I get stuck on the how, I uh-huh. feel myself I feel myself getting sick either physically, mentally, or spiritually. And my mentor last night read a really deep conversation for forty five minutes on you know next steps in how we want to influence the world. And he said, Lee, we've just gone through a lot of stuff right now. 
let's just forget about it. Let's just go about our day and the answers will come, right? Like that's his mentality, which is really different way of being for me. Like I, that's, that's difficult for me. Yeah. To let go and just to be like, okay, the answers will come to me when I'm ready, which is strange because every time I do let, let it go, the answers do come. Right. Right. It's such old training. It's the old paradigm. I mean, it really is. If we, if you look at, we raise our hands, we want to be right in class. We want to know the answer. We want to know knowledge. And then we use that knowledge from an Ivy league school to be the elite in society, getting Mm. the higher paying jobs, getting the the land Rover, getting the bigger house. Right. So everything's been based on our intellectual prowess. Yeah. And so the honoring, like I, I use this a lot, like in the West sitting on a plane, somebody new next to you, Usually the second question after, hi, I'm da, 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 da. what do you do? What do you do? Right. Whereas over in Thailand, for example, it's sawadika. And there's a sense of recognizing and honoring the person in you. There's namaste. I doesn't mm. say, it's not said like that. Namaste in India with the smile, acknowledging I connect with that part. So there's other bottom line is other cultures who understand there's and operate from the valuing of the hearts capacities and yeah. attributes rather than the intellect and the mind. And what do you produce? What can I measure? What can I look at? How can I label you? So it's going, that's very much a great part of what's rebalancing too is in few, So I see it like when I work with, um, I have a lot of attorneys, a lot of doctors, a lot of um, CPAs, CEOs, CFOs. I have a lot of uh, intellectual people that come to me, not all by any means. And when I do a lot of the time, i see that I'm working with them, not only to balance the left brain and right brain, that feels to me old school, but it's almost like it's superseding into a whole brain consciousness. So like my third book, Reasonable Dragons, the subtitle, I got to grab it to remember it. Grab it. Grab it. Those pesky subtitles. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. It's uh, where Reasonable Dragons, how to activate the field of possibilities where logical magic is the new normal. And it's that, th- this is the book, it's on audibles.com. It's real, people love listening to it. The logical magic part is the part I'm talking about because it's not like if you're going to be more intuitively led, you let go of the how. It's not like you let go of the logic or you let go of rationality just because you're listening to your intuition. Your intuition instead infuses your intellect. So it elevates the whole operating system, so to speak, to a higher level. So one isn't working without the other. That's where we're, we're headed to. So when you're asking about the how, if we're meant to be living, there you go, if we're meant to be living more aligned now, that allows for room from what puts us in alignment, which is our heart or our spirit or our soul or connection with the divine. And so giving space to listen to that and learning how to trust that guidance and learning that we can, in fact, trust that guidance to take care of that how. It's a different mode. It's in more surrender. So it means we're less in control from that ego mind is what it's called in meditation or that, that intellect where it just wants to control everything and thinks that it controls everything. We are being taught and forced and COVID helped a lot with this to get the hell out of there and shift down into the heart. I, something come up for me then, as you could see, <laughs> you can see my reaction. And I, and I think it has parallels in, uh, with alcohol. So it's like good to talk about it. I think yeah. it's like, I'm starting to, for a long, long time, I was, I created the story that it was not right for me to be intuitive and to trust my feelings and my emotions. Um, and basically I couldn't connect with being empathic or being sensitive. And that was because I had this something from when I was young. And then my wives, who I, I, I had, a, I had one wife, I got a second wife. What I've just discovered about myself is um, I'm very sensitive, but then I rush in too quick with my sensitivities. And then I kind of bleh all over somebody. And then they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have no idea how I'm thinking. You have no idea how I'm feeling. Like I kind of screw it up. So then that feedback was like, yeah, I don't know how people feel. So just recently, I've kind of, I'm kind of like, no, I'm a fucking superpower. I know, I know that I need to trust this intuition. So when it comes around making, taking risk and financial risk to grow my business, um, I'm going with my intuition. I'm like, yeah, this is right. I need to do this. And at the same time, backing it up with my rationale and logic. However, because I exist in a relationship, my, my wife, that is not her intuition. It's my intuition. And very often it's difficult to explain intuition to somebody because it can feel like a lackadaisical kind of uh, ri- too risky attitude. 
so I'm interested in in that. Like, so I'm at the moment not actually feeling the pressure within myself as much as I'm 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 struggling to put up strong boundaries to kind of like I don't know what to do with the energy that exists in the household, which is opposite to mine. And I imagine if someone wants to stop drinking. So let's say a woman wants to stop drinking and her husband doesn't want her to, and the wife wants to invest in herself financially and time-wise in order to take courses and to hire mentors and coaches, and he doesn't want her to, and she's trusting her intuition guided by logic and rationality, and he doesn't see that. Why the hell do you deal with that? We interrupt this amazing conversation between Dr. Alison Kay and Lee Davy. Yes, he's not a doctor. Don't think he's a doctor. This guy is not a doctor. To let you know that if you need further help and support in your journey to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol, then we have what it takes here at the Strive Community. If you want to sign up and join the Strive Community, email us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com or go to the website www.1000daysober.com and you'll find out how to join our wonderful community at 40 pounds a month ladies and gentlemen yes 40 pounds a month less than four bottles of wine see you later alligator all the time that comes in so first off let me back up i have a product on my website and i believe it's the most expensive product frankly uh in my shop and it's from a telecall series i did your sensitivity is your power and I find that people who are naturally empathic tend to um, also, as a parallel, a lot of the time be engaged in self-punishment with their thoughts in order to shut down and handle and manage all that they're perceiving. At some point, it gets twisted as you're wrong or b- and bad for having these capacities. And so people use drugs or alcohol or shopping or sex to shut it off and shut it down. Mm learning how to work with your empathicness, which is what you're talking about in this moment, more so in the dynamic of other in that we're in relationship with. For example, I have a masterminder whose husband was very much more in the lack paradigm, scarcity paradigm. And she was working with me at the mastermind level. So she's already gone through my magic manifestation of money flow three month program was now at the mastermind level and was in like her second six month round of it. And she was really getting free and totally in the abundance vibration and wanting to use money in different ways than how her husband felt comfortable. And so she asked me, how do I deal with the lack of his consciousness? We're not responsible for anybody else, but what we can do is ensure that we set up if we're in a situation where the other isn't yet on board with the abundance paradigm and the self-investment and the transformation, a financial situation where our finances are more separate. So the intertwinement can be removed in that regard. So there's less back and forth projection and fighting. In regards to the spouse who doesn't want his spouse to stop drinking, misery loves company. I mean, it's kind of like when you learn something really great and you want to share it with your family of origin and three of your family members don't want to hear it. Oh, here he goes. Or here she goes sharing something again. We're no longer living in those times. In fact, the times, the new paradigm we're in, it is about everybody up-leveling themselves. It's part of why COVID apparently was required. I don't espouse wisdom about COVID. I haven't from the beginning because it's just more of the clearing that I've been talking about since 2011 that really started in 2012. So it seems to me enough people hadn't done enough of their inner work that COVID was required at the extent that it went to. So nobody is responsible for anybody else. As a parent, yes, until they're 16-ish. We can't make somebody else choose something. In these new times, it's about us opening up to our capacity, like we've been talking right from the beginning, to co-create to make choices. And that's the throat chakra beyond the communication stuff. The throat chakra is about where we choose from creativity. And I'm not talking arts and crafts and macrame where we create our lives from one choice at a time. We can't choose for somebody else unless they're our kids. So when our spouse isn't yet elevated in their consciousness enough to access intuitive guidance and have the courage to follow intuitive guidance, instead they're still running more dominantly from the spreadsheet of the finances. We can keep choosing what's right for us and have those moments where we have the conversations to explain our perspective, but it's not from the positioning of convincing. 
It's from the positioning of honoring the autonomy of each individual and learning how to work with that as mm. the dynamic in the relationship, as opposed to we're co-joined in every way possible. Mm. Yeah, I like that. We, we in this household are very definitely moving towards financial autonomy yeah. for both of us. Uh, we think it's really important. We wish we had done that from the beginning now, so we're definitely going to do that. Can we focus on the throat chakra a second? I just want to share something with you. Yeah. So I am a chakra virgin, right? Like I, I know of them, but I've never paid any interest in, in them. So I've never, even up to this call, I've never looked at them. I, I knew there were seven of them. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they do. I don't understand them. However, I do want to bring something to you. I've noticed a couple of things in my life lately. I would say some of them in the last six months, some of them in the last couple of years. In the last six months, I've noticed that when I'm on calls with people on Zoom and stuff, I've noticed I've been doing this a lot. And I've been walking around on my phone and I've been doing this a lot. I've noticed in the last couple of months, when I wake up in the morning, <coughs> all the time, there's something in my throat that I need to clear every, every time. I've developed hypothyroidism in the last five years, which is in my throat. And in the last two months, I've had two attacks, which I think are related to my thyroid, where I just couldn't get out of bed, which is really hyper unusual for me. And it's all around this region. So you yeah. just talked a little bit about it, but let's go back to what's hap what's hap what happens here? What is that chakra? What the heck's going on with me? <laughs> let's go there. It's a great question because there's so many that feel that same way. All right. So I'm a yoga teacher trained in India. I'm also a personal trainer. And I'm also a Qigong teacher. When I get interviewed and I talk about the chakras, people comment who are ready, regular interviewers like yourself of folks about this metaphysical topic, tell me I have the most unique take on the chakras. So I have, I'm very steeped in the traditional teachings of them. I'm not a fly-by-night person because I've lived in Asia for 10 years. I, I understand the power of energy, you know, in, in the, the, like a monk learning the first of 18 movements in a series of 18 Qigong movements has to like sweep out and do the dishes in the monastery for the first year, only able to learn the first movement to earn the right to have that access to power. So I don't just like throw stuff out there on YouTube, for example, when I don't know shite and I just, just let myself talk about it. <laughs> 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 like it's happening now. So um, <laughs> a chakra is means a wheel. And we have the one up top of our head. We have one in between our eyebrows, one at the throat, one at the heart, one at the upper belly, one at the lower belly, one at the tailbone. We have actually a system of 12, but we don't need to talk about that now. Let's just talk about the seven main ones. Chakra meaning wheel in Sanskrit to English, it turns. It's meant to turn. When So a chakra is the intersection of the mind, the body, and the spirit. So let's, think, let's talk about the mind for a second. And remember, I'm integrating Western and Eastern because I taught psychology. I, I learned about development, psychological development. So, so subconscious means under conscious. Sub, the prefix means under. Unconscious, un, the prefix un means not. 85% of our daily choices are made from there, meaning at most it's only 15% of our conscious mind whose thoughts we hear in a practice of such as meditation is what we're hearing that is causing us to make the choices we do and don't at least 85% of it. And from my experience in working with tens of thousands of people at this point, I feel like it's more like 90 to 95% of why we have the habitual routines we have and why we don't go out with those types of people and why we do hang with those types of people and why we do pursue this career track and don't ever think about that being a possibility. All of that is the back of the house consciousness under our conscious radar. So there's three levels to the consciousness. And then in the West, we call it supra consciousness, but in chakra terms, the yogic terms, it's considered the higher self. So right above the crown chakra, we have our higher self. And then above that is really access to the divine. So, so those are the levels of consciousness for the mind element of the mind, body, spirit that all intersect at each chakra. Body, each chakra is responsible for one of the major endocrine glands. Every single major endocrine gland is associated with the chakra. So the thyroid is what's associated with the fifth. The thymus is the heart, for example. The pancreas is the solar plexus. The adrenals um, are kind of in between the third and the second. The root is the sexual reproductive organs uh, or glands. This is the pineal. Pardon me. This is the pituitary. Crown is the pineal. 
And then every single chakra were the biggest gathering of, so a woman, a biologist doing pharmaceutical research for antidepressants knew of the chakra system. And as she was doing the research for this pharmaceutical company, she saw that the biggest gatherings of neuroreceptors that receive messaging from the brain, brain, central nervous system, that's our, that's brain spinal column. That's our central nervous system. Brain sends messages. We have neuroreceptors receiving them. The biggest gathering of these are where each of the chakras are down the spine. So that's our two main communication systems of the body, chemical, hormonal, endocrine, mm-hmm. and then electrical, central nervous system. So the body, and then the region of the body itself. So if the chakra is blocked because of the beliefs we have at any level of consciousness or something that has happened at the spirit level, and I'll talk about that in a minute, then this doesn't turn the chi or the prana or the fresh vital life force energy. It's blocked. So your neck might be tight or if the sacral chakra at the bottom of the belly is blocked, then your hips might be chronically tight or your sacral might be chronically tight. So the way our system is designed is to, it has like, if you think of these as urban centers and where are you, what city are you closest to? I'm in Los Angeles at the moment. Okay. So if you think of like the 405 and you think of um, what's the lower one, 10 goes in there. So if you think like there's major interstates that feed the urban center and then there's the smaller routes and the side Mm -hmm. roads all of these, the chakras are fed with what's either in China, traditional Chinese medicine, the meridians, these are the highways and interstates, or in yogic practices, it's called prana, part of me, it's called uh, nadis. And there's even a gajillion of those compared to the 13 in the traditional Chinese medical system that travel the life force or the chi or the prana out. So underneath all of our existence is meant to be the circulating vital life force energy. So these cultures use one syllable, Chi for in Chinese, they use two syllables in yoga, prana. It's ki, like is in Reiki from Japanese. It's ka in Egyptian. So all these other cultures have one syllable. We go vital life force energy. We use four words in English to describe <laughs> what this phenomena is. It's meant to be flowing all throughout our body and infusing at each chakra, the mind at all levels of consciousness, the body and the spirit. So the spirit component is how I can access past life stuff that may have happened. Like if you lost your family in a fire to, because you were going for more wealth and you had loads of wealth and you lost everything, including your family, you may have made some vow in this hugely traumatized emotional state. I will never have this much money again. This led to this problem. I caused this because I was greedy. And so that carries over in the cellular memory into your next incarnation. And maybe this and, and it, I don't know that it influences every incarnation, but I feel like from what I do know, it's like, it's called a samskara in um, the yogic prep culture where we're each is a soul born with like two, maybe three core patterns to evolve beyond in this lifetime. And so that could be one of yours in this lifetime you're choosing to evolve beyond. So that's how I, so going through the chakras is how I access the past life stuff and the karmic stuff. Okay. So that's the chakra system in a, in a nutshell. And every single yoga pose you do in a yoga class is designed to open up a chakra or two or three. That's why you leave yoga class feeling so peaceful because the chakras are getting more open. Like when I was in India, my yoga teacher training, I had to design a sequence that was based on all the chakras. Each, I had to design a sequence of yoga postures to open up all the chakras. The throat chakra nowadays is when I was teaching my weekly yoga class, for example, and I was using some of that sequence I just talked about having designed in India during my yoga teacher training, I was going up through the chakra column and diff- using different poses after having my students meditate for like 20 minutes. And when we would even get to the heart chakra, the one beneath the throat, because I was also doing some other special stuff during that class in each of the poses I don't want to talk about right now. I mean, it wasn't anything bad. It was just... I don't want to give away all the trade secrets here. <laughs> uh, when we'd be at the heart chakra, like one beneath the throat, people would start coughing to the point that um, some folks, regular students of mine made a joke and said, we should call, you know how this laughing yoga? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, we should, we should call it Yeah. <laughs> because in this new paradigm, we are, like I said, being asked to step into the role of co-creator, which means we can no longer claim victimhood to our parents, to our society, to our race, to our ethnic origin, to our socioeconomic status, to childhood trauma, even. Mm. As it, it doesn't mean we don't have compassion and empathy, obviously. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is we can't play the blaming game, the um, blame and name game anymore, where it's we just stay me. stuck 
what? The, 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 the to me, to me, uh, yep. consciousness. Yep. yep. Or at me. Yeah. And, and even at me, cause that's more empathic. Like when you perceive everything's happening at you, as opposed to, mm. I have the ability to manage my energy field. So in that stepping into the co-creator role, that's recognizing responsibility for our self-management of our consciousness and of our beliefs and of us being where we are in our lives due to choices we've made and not made. And then learning how to make new choices, exercising this muscle for co-creation. And when we feel like we have no other choice, the neck will get tight or the thyroid will get shut down. When we feel like overburdened or obligated, look at the shoulders, they go up, right? And you wear them as earrings. And so this whole area is really key. I mean, I've been teaching that yoga class since um, for a long time and the, it, it, it stayed all the way through. I stopped teaching it last year because I just, my schedule just, I love teaching that class, but I needed, people were needing me in a different way. It seemed I yeah, wanted, yeah. yeah. So for the period of eight years of teaching that here in the States, after teaching it over there in the, in Asia, it was consistent all the time. The throat chakras were the one that was really getting worked. Now with women in particular, but men too, the sacral chakra also takes a while. That's when every chakra has a right to it. This one is the sacral is your right to feel the way you feel. It's very subtle. It's very quiet. And for a lot of women in particular, that's the last one to really get online. I have to do a lot of other work with them and play with them before that one actually gets on online, so to speak. So mm. it's not like you can go online and, and, and listen to a crystal bowl attuned to the throat chakra for five minutes and you're all set. From what I understand, because every chakra, this is the key part, covers a domain in life. So the root chakra is your right to be here. So let's say you are born into a family where mom and dad are hesitant about having you. You're like child number five and they don't know how they're going to provide for you. You may mm. you'll perceive that because there's no separation from your parents. And so you'll feel less wanted. You'll feel less like you have the right to be here. And, and what I've seen in empathic people is part of what they'll do to prove they have the right to be here is when they go into a room and they feel negative energy, they'll immediately start clearing it and making it positive without any conscious understanding that they're doing that. So people who go around maybe, he yeah. You mean being happy, like overly happy, or do they sense that the energy is a bit down and they're like, they rather than shy away from it, they try to kind of illuminate it and mix it up. Is that what you mean? Yours sounds light and free and happy and as if it's by choice. I'm talking about when it's somebody who is doing it unconsciously and it's not by choice. Like, mm. do you always want to go around and illuminate others' darkness? Um, or is it something you're doing habitually because you're not even consciously aware that I go into a room and I clean energy? Like you take it upon yourself as if that's your responsibility mm. because the underlying core belief is I don't have the right to be here. So I have to earn the right to be here. So let me do it this way. Let me make the, the environment positive. I know that I, um, I feel super uncomfortable around people. Let me people. Let me rain out in a minute. I feel super uncomfortable when my wife is in a funk. So this morning she was in a funk and I was super uncomfortable and I had to have a conversation with myself and yep. do a little practice to just kind of like get this energy out of me and into my boundary just to just because I could just sense that I was going to say something or do something that was going to create an argument, you know? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely come across that. And my biological father left me before I was born. So I recently had a conversation with my mom for an hour about all of this kind of stuff because I was having trouble with my four-year-old. So I wanted to do some inner child work. And, um, I think I had a bit of a tough time um, in my mum's womb, you know, with all the emotions she, she was going through around that time. She's only 18. You know, she, she, she said she wanted me and she never thought about having an abortion, but it, it must have hit her quite hard for the, the, the man in her life to say, no, I'm gone. I don't know part of this, you know, like, and being, yeah. You know, so. I tend know. to use the examples I use intuitively. Like I, I, I usually use different ones. So I think like when I went down to the root to start talking about every chakra has a domain of life they cover. I use that example on purpose, but you can get, you can move beyond it. You know, I mean, it's just bringing, bringing what's under the conscious radar or not conscious, clearing it and then working with creating a new neurological pathway that will allow for new behaviors, new habits, new habits that are healthier to form. Um, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful work we can change it's not heavy yeah. yeah i get i i i've got um 
it's really interesting. Whenever I talk to any of my clients, I would say like 99.9% of them who come to me with help with addiction, you know, whenever I ask them how they feel or to share an emotion, <laughs> they really struggle. It's, yeah. it's just like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel okay. Um, yeah, I feel fine. And um, yeah, I was doing this. And then, yeah. and then I did that. And I'm, and I'm like, no, tell us how, 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 how did you feel? You know, I just told you. Right. And then I end up going, let me, let me share some emotions with you and let me know if any of them kind of click. And then they, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, that one. That's great um, work. <laughs> but, it, but it's so interesting. Like, I, I you know, and, and again, like, I, I was exactly the same when I was, when I was drinking. And, and beyond that, you know, like, you ever heard of David Burns? Yes. Uh, I was on David Burns' podcast. Him and Jill Levitt, they did a therapy session with me live for three hours. Yeah, this is about maybe five, six years ago, something like that. And they picked up the same in me. They were like, Lee, you're not very, you're not, um, you're struggling with the I feel statements. I'm like, no, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm all right. I can tell people how I feel. And I, I realized it was just a smoke screen. It was like, um, it was like a mask that I would put on to protect my feelings. So I would splurt out to people and tell them about my life. And think that I was vulnerable, yet never use an emotion. <laughs> but that's, that game, that's what I'm talking about too. It's from the head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just, well, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm up. Most of the time, yeah. you'll find me up here. So check it out, Lee. When somebody isn't feeling comfortable in the, to be ground all the way down to their root because of some unconscious belief, I don't have the right to be here because something may have happened in the womb, like what mm. you mentioned what I have seen as another resulting pattern is typically it keeps them up here. And, mm -hmm. and if you look at our overall society, how many people are up here? This is the comfort zone. So then the conditioning reinforces that deference to the head and, and what feel heart level. What I'm hurt. Nah, I can ignore that. That doesn't help me be productive. So there's conditioning and reinforcement behind the conditioning to, for that checkout. You know, and so what I'm talking about is, and so then like, here is an example. I don't do a lot of health work anymore because it's just too heavy for me. Um, so I was dematerializing matter. If you think of like a tumor now, it, and I shifted around 2015 into, okay, let's materialize into matter out of subtle energy, what we want. Right. Look at the smile. A lot more fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that first bit did, did sounded, that sounded like hard work. It was, mate. Yes. And yeah. so I said no to it um, and asked what else is possible. And so I'm doing what I'm doing now. But I would have men on my table and their guts, I mean, they would have colon cancer or high blood mm. pressure because they had made, instead of listening to how they felt, they were put in the, these were older men, um, they were put in that societal conditioning of I'm the mill, I'm the breadwinner, I'm must martyr, I'm the hero. And so they would make these, in order to provide money for the family, they would make these choices in business that ripped they're, they were out of their integrity, mm. so their guts their guts were a mess. Or their were blood they, pressure. Were they, were they? Were they? Did you see a lot of big belly, big big hard distended bellies? Yeah, well, I'm in Florida, so I do see a lot of that anyway. But um, yeah, we get, <laughs> in, we in, get in, a lot in the UK. Yeah, are you in Ireland? Mm, I'm I'm in LA now, but I'm from I'm from the UK, and it is the big beer belly. It that yeah. that is like that is like the modus operandi. Like if you look around where I used to live, all all the old blokes have got that. Where did you used to live? That's what I'm trying to identify. I heard um, you South Wales, South Wales, Wales. What part of mm. Wales? A little valley called Ogmore Vale, near near Bridgend, in between Cardiff and Swansea. Yep, I go to Glastonbury twice a year and stay there for. Ah, right. Uh, we yeah, Glastonbury. I I went to a festival many many years ago, 1995. I, I instead I take my students here. That's where they get trained in vibrational upgrade system. Up, to, up to the tour, you take them up to the tour and all that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, yes. my wife uh, is from California. When we were last in the UK, which is over uh, like a year ago now, we we went to Glastonbury and she loved it. She yeah. loved the vibe there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also don't just only do the Glastonbury thing because it can get chaotic. Because I want them to stay grounded, so we mm. do a lot of walking of the sacred land, some of the less well-known places. Then I take. When they get to the Dragon Master level, I take them out to different st sites and stone circles um, and show them how to work with it. It's pretty fun. So, yeah, I, I heard the accent and I did hear you the first time say that you were in L.A. So I, I just I wanted to know the accent because I couldn't place yeah, it. <laughs> no, I, I've been stuck here since the pandemic. So I, yeah. I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to be here, but I can't leave until I get my work permit. And 
the uh, yeah, the bureaucracy is so slow, so yeah. slow. The UK is is really bad. Um, with us getting in, I mean, I've had three virtual retreats because the last time in May in 2020, we, I was looking at like all of us having to quarantine for two weeks. The retreat's only a week long, and I do three weeks in a row of different people, mm. and so it just wouldn't work. And then everything's closed, so there's no way to take yeah. them except on the land. And so, yeah. Anyway, big distended bellies I find is, is also from uh, their eating, their food, their digestive mm. system because they're eating so much carbs, you know. And so the men end up with the big distended bellies. Yeah, it's not knowing how you feel, being checked out. I mean, I think it's it's a challenge too, though. If you are empathic, you know, I mean, if you're feeling what you're feeling like this morning, your story about your wife and she was in a, a, a funk, and and you knew to like not not go in there and let her manage it. <laughs> get out, get out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in the in the past, because of the uncomfortableness of it, and because of my lack of maturity, I would take it on myself like I, I would blame myself like oh what have I done wrong to put her into this funk so then there's a part of me that would come out to try to fix it to make me feel better when it was a really selfish way of being because it was just like it's her experience and she's allowed to have her experience and so now I'm now I'm a little bit more advanced now I'm picking up on it I'm like oh shit what do I do now that's where I am now at the next level I'll know what to do about it a little bit more so hey mate what if you don't have to do anything about it though other than just just stay away and let her move through it I, I mean, think there's no fixing that's needed no that, I think the part that I need to um the part that I need fixing is um maybe fixing is the wrong word but let me explain what what goes on so I go downstairs I pick up that emotional tumor that something's off and it creates an emotion within me, or I create an emotion to counter that, which could be frustration or anger or annoyance or sadness. Yeah. And then, and then that's what I need to fix. So then I need to go away, and then yep. I need to discharge that energy, like in a healthy. Cha- I need to channel it in a healthy way, and that's kind of what I'm learning at the moment. Is like, oh, I'm feeling frustrated. Don't just leave it in there. Like I yeah. need to do something to release that so I'm not infecting her or my daughter or my mother-in-law with my frustrated energy, you know? Like, so that's the fixing type of thing. So I, her, no, you keep having your experience. There's something going on with her this, this morning. As I was talking to her, I could tell it was anxiety around money. And uh, there was this need to like be the hero and be like, I told yeah. you, just let me worry about that. And I was like, no, just, just let her... Let her worry about it and let her be anxious about it. Let her what? Worry about just it. Let her, just let her worry about it. And if she, she wants to talk to me about it, she can talk to me about it. And throughout the day, I can check in with her and ask how she's doing, you know, and offer myself up. But yeah. It's hard to just let somebody suffer with who you care about. Especially when you love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I, I in the work that I do with helping people quit alcohol, one of the things we cover like is um, – is the sensitivities around once you see the light or you understand how the system works and then you can learn to not desire it. And then you see everyone around you dying slowly because of it. It's really difficult not to go rushing in there with your big size 10 boots and making a big mess of it. So we, we work on that quite a lot. You know, it's like, I think it was, um, who was it? Byron Katie has said, you just realize whose business you're in, right? Like, are you in your business, their business or God's business? You know, that's been a, that's been a big one for me to remember. Stay in my, stay in your own business, Lee, stay in your own business. So if you listen back, when you hear this interview again, I told you the pattern in the, in the chakras that that comes from. So if you were to do some clearings on the route and on the third, which is where the mm. equipment is, is located, you would have an easier time also being able to just go and not have rise in you than anything that you need to fix within yourself. So you could just overcome that pattern. That's what I'm talking about is that kind of level of work. So right. when I said, like if the root is, is malformed or closed because you don't feel like you have the right to be here and as an empathic, you may pick up on other people's negative energy and you want to fix it. That's, and so I, I said that exact pattern and you just gave the exact example of it, but you can move beyond even having eventually, uh, you can move beyond even having that rise up in you as if it's an aversion to the, the energy that's in the room because energy remember is neutral, right? So our projections onto it, make it become positive or negative. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Never thought of it like that before. 
So here's an example that may help to people who are in stress. God bless LA's traffic and LA's traffic. One per- So I was doing this when I was here in the States before I moved overseas and I was in traffic in the morning going into work and I would choose to use that time to give myself a treatment. The per- whereas the person next to me could be choosing to bang their steering wheel. Yeah, and- yeah. But the physiological, hormonal, biochemical changes into the stress reaction only happen based on our interpretation of the event. So we're both in the same circumstance. I have no stress response. I actually, in fact, am activating my parasympathetic nervous system. Meanwhile, the person who's labeled onto the situation, projected onto the situation, this is stressful, has the whole biochemical ensuing changes in them for Mm -hmm. stress reaction. So that makes sense. Energy is neutral. We are just a bunch. I call us that, especially in, in this third book. I go through it a lot. This is my most recent book, though, Dragon Master Creatrix. It's actually about the retreats to Glastonbury. And right. it's con- conversations with a female spiritual teacher for these new times. And I answer a lot of questions that my it's really advanced. So the first half of it. Yeah, I think I think you would you would gain gain some stuff out of it. Um, because in the first half of each chapter, I have narration of as if I'm a student on the retreat, going to the sites, even the tour, um, or receiving the attunements and getting trained in energy medicine. The second half is that kind of yoga guru question and answer thing where I'm actually using questions my students have actually asked me, including not like just how do I awaken my third eyes, like out there kinds of questions, like how do I stop caring what other people think about me? Mm. Like really getting into the nitty gritty of being a, of living metaphysically we're in the physical but with an understanding acknowledgement and ability to work with beyond the physical the meta means beyond and that's what we're being asked to do nowadays so what you're in the process of doing identifying the energy and then having the preference so we get i teach this in meditation we get taught this when we meditate the mind makes a judgment do i like so it comes up with an energy and first is the label oh this feels yucky then do I inherently implied is, do I like this or do I need to resist against this? So pulling all of that back to just having enough freed up consciousness from back of the house to have much more mindfulness and awareness. Um, And I don't mean you can get to where I'm talking about from meditation and developing a mind, ultimately having mindfulness from the meditation. You can, it just takes decades longer. That's why Mm. I do the clearings and activations to have it happen faster. I've seen like my mastermind just go through changes. And in the third year, I'm like, Oh my God, that took me five years. You know? So, so I, I got the results. I asked for, how do I get more robust results for my clients? Go to Asia for 10 years, learn some stuff more, (laughs) more than you already know. So when you have more presence, you can see the mind perceiving somebody else's energy. And then you can see even your body have that response. But in between that response of your body getting tight and contracted and you walking into that energy is your mind labeling what it is and then figuring out if it likes it or it needs to resist it. Yeah. I had something, um, I went through a, a period where I was, you know, as I was witnessing my own growth and um metricizing it i guess and how are you doing lee you know and i would be like 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 putting metrics on it like how are you doing in your life lee how are you doing as you evolve and grow and i was like well i can handle most stuff this is how my brain works right you can i can handle most stuff but when zia cries oh what happens to me i go into meltdown she's my four-year-old right so now i just realize and learn through a bit of work that when she's screaming and crying it's activating my four-year-old child. And I'm, I'm almost like, you have no right to do that because my parents would tell me to shut the hell up, right? So I'm kind of like, shut the hell up in my head. But we're not raising her to shut the hell up. We're raising her to go through her full to discharge herself, which causes me so much uncomfortableness. So I now I know that and I got awareness and understanding around that. And I'm doing some work around that. The other night when she woke up crying, I had just pure love. Like in that moment, I was laughing to myself. Like like, I'm not there like permanently. Like well done. You had a victory. Yeah. I tell you like last night, you know, there's a, I had to like, again, I had to, I was getting frustrated and I was like, okay, I need to discharge this frustration. But yeah, I was like, it was just like pure love. I was like, oh, wow. I recognize right now that my four-year-old Lee is actually changing his energy in his opinion around my daughter. And like you said, the same thing could have happened a couple of days ago, the same energy. And, and I can see now how, how this, the energy is just energy. 
Yes. And it's how I interpret and my stories and my background and, and how yes. I choose to to play with that energy and color it and flavor it and all that kind of stuff is very different. I have to go. I have another interview. <gasps> Shoot off, man. How can people get hold of you? Uh, <laughs> at uh, vibrationalupgrade.com. Vibrationalupgrade.com. Okay. Yeah. Get to vibrationalupgrade.com. Check out Alison K. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate Thank it. You. It's been a pleasure. Blessings. We'll see you soon. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation between myself and Dr. Alison JK. Hopefully now you know a little bit more about the chakras, how they work and all that kind of bump. And you can integrate that into your journey to be someone who's more conscious and to build your rocket and fly to Mars. Now, before you disappear and go and listen to Sam Harris or Joe Rogan or, or Christine Hasler or Preston Smiles or someone else more important than me, I've got a challenge for you. Okay, I've got a challenge for you. Email me at 1kdaysober at gmail.com. It is super important. If you want to change your relationship with alcohol, if you want to be done with it forever, you need to know the root cause reason why you're drinking so we can help you uproot that root and throw it in the ocean and see it drown, get eaten by octopus, that gets eaten by a shark, that gets eaten by some crazy person in Japan somewhere who likes shark fin soup, right? Email me, 1kdaysober at gmail.com and we'll get you signed up for our five-day, 100% free challenge, the Alcohol Light Bulb Challenge. Discover the truth about why you drink alcohol and reconnect with yourself in five days or less. Lee Davis is not a doctor and doesn't know what he's talking about, so if you need any medical help on how to quit alcohol, then contact somebody who does. If you want to be somebody that doesn't drink alcohol or recover from any other addiction, improve your relationship with yourself and those that you love, or just want to learn to live a more conscious life, then here is what we can do to help you at 1000 Days Sober. Number one, we have a Strive subscription service, okay? So you pay a monthly fee, you come and join us, you come into our community, you get access to all our Marco Polo groups, you get access to our Kajabi group, you get access to uh, content that you will not see in the public sphere, mainly by yours truly, but by other people in my network, our friends as well. What else do you get? You get access to a weekly coaching call with myself. So you can get coaching, a one-on-one -on -one coaching with me on that weekly coaching call. And you get money off various different workshops and uh, invites to lots of other free stuff. So that's our subscription service. You could do group coaching programs, okay? Right now we have two group coaching programs both called the Strive Method. The first one is addictions, okay? And they last for six months. The relationship course also lasts for six months. We've got the Strive Method for addictions, Strive Method for relationships. There are workshops, okay? Or you can work with me personally one-on-one, -on -one, okay? You can work with me personally one-on-one. -on -one. And if you want to get involved in any of that, then just head to www.1000daysober.com and you will find everything that's going on there, okay? We have pages there on the website which will direct you in the right place and how to get hold of me, including a workshop space there as well. We're always running workshops, so you can sign up for those as well. Last but not least, if you do love this show and it has changed your life and you want to change the lives of somebody else, tell somebody about it and rate and review it in your podcast provider. I would really appreciate that. If you want to just reach out to me, ask me a question, just email me, 1kdaysober.com. Ah, at gmail.com. Much love, everybody. Bye.